Gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha M Podcast, the podcast where I talk business, self-improvement, lifestyle, and more. Whether or not it's just me sort of talking, a little bit of audio action for you to enjoy, or me sitting down with a special guest to find out more about the steps they took to become successful. Whether or not you're listening to this on the go, you're sitting at home right now listening, I appreciate your time. And so if you're ready, let's dive in to this next badass episode. Where did you learn to make YouTube videos? Editing, lighting, etc. Um, I want to start a YouTube channel, but I've made some videos using my phone, but I'm very bad with technology and I don't know the basics on how to edit. Are there any resources you'd recommend for learning the basics of video creation? Yes, YouTube. Go to YouTube and search how to edit a video. Editing a video for beginners or whatever you have, like do a search and you're going to find tutorials. That's a great way to start. Also, lighting. Anything you want to know regarding like video, YouTube is the place because there are a ton of creators that make videos and tutorials on how to start channels, how to make videos. So anything you need to know, YouTube is the place to go. But great question and congratulations. Good luck. And, and the other thing I'll just throw out there, do not allow perfection to be, you know, to, what, is, what is the saying? Don't allow, what is the saying? What's the saying? Something like don't allow perfection to be the enemy of progress. I can't remember the saying. There's a saying. But don't worry about perfection. Just get it out there. First one out there, boom. Second one out there, boom. You will get better. I promise. I suck. I still suck. It's a learning process. I'm still not good at it. Lately, I found myself unmotivated or bored with my job. I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation. I'm an HVAC call center supervisor. I just spit, I'm like spitting all over the place, sorry. <laughs> anyway, in case you caught that. He says, I'm an HVAC call center supervisor and I've been there for seven years. How do you A, reignite and become motivated again, or B, explore new options? I'm huge into gaming, fitness, and lifestyle improvement, but not sure what exactly to look into. I'm eager to enjoy what I do for a living and be able to sustain myself instead of being stuck in this unmotivated position. So. It sounds like you are running into a situation that so many people do. You know, they're in a job, it's paying the bills, you're in it for seven years, you got retirement, you got all the, you got all the, the niceties of working for somebody else, but it's not challenging and you're bored. And in today's world, a lot of people are searching for meaning. And finding something that you enjoy doing is even more valuable oftentimes than you know, even if you're making a little bit less money doing that as opposed to making, you know, what you're making at, at your current job. And so in terms of motivated again, I don't know if that's possible because it's really hard. Once you sort of reach that point and that like that switch gets flicked in your brain, it's hard to like regain the excitement. And it sounds like the job isn't challenging for you and, and you've got a lot of other interests and hobbies that would be more, more exciting to you. But one thing I can tell you is that once you find something else that you want to sort of explore, you start looking, going to a nine to five job while you're sort of developing this other like business and entity, it becomes a lot more manageable and tolerant. You like, you can tolerate it better because you're not like, you know that there's something else that you're working and excited about. And so finding something, I guess that's kind of the, the first step is finding something you're excited about. In terms of where to go, what to look for, I'm not sure. You've got to start exploring the different options that are out there. 
you know, pull the, pull the, pull the string on that sweater of curiosity. If, if it's gaming, you know, what are the various different ways that you can make a living, you know, gaming or selling stuff or doing things revolving around gaming or lifestyle improvement? Is it something where you create an e-product, you know, how to do something? Because there are a lot of e-products out there that people have zero clue on how to actually do something, but they're, they're, they've, they've figured out the mechanism to convince you that they can. And I'm not saying that that's you. I'm just saying that most of the people that sell e-products and make a lot of money doing it have never actually done what they're, what they're talking about doing. They've just figured out that they've either A, copied somebody else's program, they took it and thought, yo, I can do this too, and regurgitate that information, create their own course, and then try and sell it. There are other options out there. I'm not... <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to say is start looking into different options. And when you find something, sort of see, you know, pull that string, go down that road a little bit, but don't go too far. See if it's something that really interests you. You know, how are you going to be able to make a living and then make that first dollar. If you can make dollar number one, that is probably the first sign that yes, this is something that is worth exploring further. But if you can't make that dollar after six months, a year of working towards something, it's probably not the, not the right thing and you shouldn't waste your time. As a 19 year old teenager looking to be financially independent and then in parentheses, but not in any rush, would it be a waste of time to spend a year or two making the most of my youth and making good memories and friends that will last if you want to? Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, if that's your thing, cool. If you are not in a rush to be successfully or financially independent, then go for it. Um, have fun. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. If you're really interested in becoming an entrepreneur, you know, and you're not in a rush, then that's cool. Don't be in a rush, but it's gonna, it, good luck. Anyway, next, not saying that, like, like, not saying that that's not a good option. I'm just saying that it sounds like you don't want to be an entrepreneur yet, so it's best that you don't just to save the money. I just graduated from college a few weeks ago and have been enjoying reading and acquiring as much additional knowledge as I can. Uh, I've been reading and researching various topics such as how to be a leader, investment strategies, as well as your book, YouTube Marketing and, and Beyond. My question is, is it better to know a little bit about a lot of different subjects or a lot about one topic? So this is a great question and something that, that I, Totally get, right? I think right now, you recently graduated. Now is the time for you to sort of explore, right? Like, like learn. Learn everything you can. You know, scratch whatever itch you have. If you're interested in YouTube marketing, take a, you know, go after that for a little bit. Read a little bit and see if that's more interesting. Uh, more interesting. See if it's interesting to you. If you're interested in finance, like go and check it out and see what that's about. Now is the time for you to be as curious as possible. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love today's video sponsor, Skillshare. <laughs> it's not the sponsor, but that is literally one of the reasons why I love Skillshare so much is that you can learn a bunch of different stuff on a bunch of different stuff you didn't know that you were interested in learning about. Right now, I would say explore, you know, and then when you find something that's like extra interesting or you really enjoy it or it just kind of makes sense to you, that's the one maybe you explore a little further. There are going to be some things that you learn that you're like, yeah, whatever, 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 and you're going to kind of forget about them, and that's fine too. For me, I like knowing a little bit about a lot of things, but specializing in specific you know, genres and areas. And so that's, does that answer your question?
Know a little bit about a lot of things because it's going to make you a more well-rounded entrepreneur. But when it comes down to it, it's probably going to be in your best interest to focus and learn a lot about one or two specific things, and those are the ones that you're going to need to follow. But great question. The next question isn't actually like a business question, but it does pertain to the salon. From our friend Dustin, he says, what would happen if you had to close for another lockdown or multiple lockdowns in the future? Would your salon survive? And the answer is, yes, it would. Why? Because I don't have any debt. I don't have bills that are going to be like knocking on the door, right? And so that is one of the other reasons why for me, it just makes sense. You know, if, if we get shut down, if we have a pandemic, you know, whatever. Like now, that doesn't mean that the stylists and all the people that work there are, you know, not going to need, you know, money or, or, or revenue. But for me, the owner of the salon, no, no big deal, whatever. It needs six months. I'm, I'm cool. Like no big deal. I don't need or rely on that revenue in order to keep the doors open or pay the rent. Mm -mm, I'm the landlord, baby. I own that bad boy, free and clear, which feels, which feels good, even though it's the wrong decision. I own a small business and I want to pitch a product to a market. I'm stuck. I don't know if I should use digital marketing or offline marketing techniques to sell the product or a mix of both. And this is kind of the thing, mix of both. You got to test, right? You want to pitch something, you have an idea, test it. Don't have all your eggs in one basket. Try doing it standard, try doing it online, see which one works. If you can figure out a message that works online, it's a lot easier to scale that as opposed to doing like, you know, billboards or going to like flea markets and doing like pop-up shops and stuff. And so congratulations, good luck. You're going to know pretty quickly which one is more scalable and which one is working. Go with whichever one is working and if you can scale it, even better. I'm a professor at a Mexican university, but I want to run a wood shocking, wood working shop. I love woodworking, but I haven't found what would make it special. In your experience as a consumer, what makes a woodworker cabinet maker stand out? Um, I, I don't, I think for this one, okay, so if I was going to be a woodworker, cabinet maker, whatever, and you love doing it, what I would probably look for are higher end customers, customers that appreciate a custom fabrication. And that's something that, that when I was building my house, when I was doing things, uh, you know, there were certain trades that, you know, you could buy just like, you know, mass produced, you know, cabinets or whatever. But when it came to actually making things like a, a, a table, or a you know custom kitchen or custom cabinets. That's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level in the amount of work it takes to actually produce it, but it's also another level in terms of what you can charge. And so what I would do probably if I were you, I would go and I would approach builders or uh, talk to you know maybe architects in order to sort of get your foot in the door and say, hey, this is what I do. Here's a resume or here are some examples of my work. You know, if you're ever in need or have a client that's ever in need, you know, please consult me or come to me. And so, you know, in terms of special, the fact that you're doing it custom makes it special. But the bigger question is how do you find the customers that will appreciate your custom work? But great question. I'm currently in an entrepreneur class where we come up with a problem to solve, find a solution and give a pitch to the class. With your Shark Tank experience, what are your recommendations on how I should go about preparing for and conducting my pitch? Um, any response would be greatly appreciated. In terms of what type of advice I have for creating your pitch, it's really about, like I said, identifying the problem and why you guys have a solution or you've made, as they say, a better mousetrap. And so, you know, in terms of pitching, the way that I would do it 
you know, they actually, when I was going out for Shark Tank, they help you structure the pitch. They talk about, you know, okay, first thing, introduce yourself. Second thing, say where you're from. Third thing, how much money you're looking for and what percent equity. And then you go into the problem. You tell everybody, all right, for years it's been this, or this coffee has sucked, it's tasted burnt, but now I got a better solution. You see, after you identify the problem and talk about why it's a problem and why so many people are suffering from this problem, then you swoop in and talk about the amazing solution that you've got for this product and why it's going to be better than anything else that's out there. And so it's really a pretty structured format in terms of you know, who you are, you know, problem and then solution. And don't be too wordy. Don't go too long. If it's taking you, you know, five minutes to explain the problem, it's not the right product. If it's taking you 27 steps in order to solve the problem, I just spit, sorry, might have gotten you a little bit, it's also probably not right. And so be short, be short, sweet, and concise. Don't overcomplicate things, keep it simple. But uh, but yeah, it's about identifying the problem, talking about it, be animated, engage with people, and practice. That is the one thing and the one tip I would like to give you is when I went into Shark Tank, right, it's all about visualization. It's all about visualizing. It's all about practicing. By the time I went into Shark Tank, I had been in front of them, front of them, like visualization wise, thousands of times. Because when you get up there to actually pitch, you're going to be nervous as hell, right? So you've got to make it so that it's almost like reflex. It's reaction. You just start and it kind of goes. And if you can get to that point and really visualize putting yourself in the room, pitching to your students, pitching to the class, and like feeling all of the, the, the feels that you feel, the feeling all the feels. Like if you're getting butterflies, are you nervous? Is your mouth dry? One thing I want you to notice, next time you're watching Shark Tank, look at everybody licking their lips. Your mouth gets so dry. There is no water up there, and once you start, it is just you are going, you are pitching. The other interesting thing that most people don't know about Shark Tank is that you don't get like a do-over. The way that it works, when you get ready to go, they tell you, all right, when you walk through those doors, you're going to go, there's that rug, there's going to be an X on that rug, you stand there and you just wait. And then you're going to wait there for about 30 to 60 seconds, just staring them down, and then over the loudspeaker, you just hear the producer Clay go, and pitch, and then you start. There is no stop, there is no do-over. From the time they say go, you just got to go, and then you've got to be there and, and be ready to get grilled. Now, the other thing I would say, if you are going to be grilled and people are going to ask you questions, be ready and understand your numbers. That is the thing that blows my mind whenever I see people pitch on Shark Tank, they ask the same exact questions. What is your customer acquisition cost? What is your you know, average order value? Like, like they ask the same questions. If you don't know that, you shouldn't be up there. But great question and good luck. So I'm planning on starting a coffee roasting business like harvesting to packaging. I love, I, I love coffee, love it. Like you got a customer. Number one customer. Anyway, the thing is I'm from India and plan to do my business in India and my competitors would be all big corporations. Um, there are not many individual roasters in my country. My question is, is it okay to start a business which, there's, which is new, very new to most? I would say yes, it is okay, but you got to be careful. You got to make sure that there's a market and a demand. And I'm assuming that if you're interested in this, there are probably going to be other people. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be more challenging for you in the sense that you need to educate the consumer of why they would want to come and, and buy your coffee or, you know, use your grounds or drink your coffee. 
And so I think that it is good because here's the thing. If you are new and you can catch it, like catch that wave as it's like starting, you can ride that bad boy. You can also be the first and being first in some situations and instances is a benefit, right? But you just got to make sure that there is a market. And so is there a way to test it? I don't know. Only you can decide that. But you're smart. You're watching this vlog. And so I'm sure you'll figure it out. Cliff, Doc, what's going on? He says, I've been building my personal brand online over the past four years. Once again, he's a business audiology, but he's building his brand online. So the question revolves around the issue that he runs into is replacing himself. The people who watch my videos online always want to see me. He's an audiologist, right? And so they see you, the person, the, 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 the personality on the videos. And so when they, when they contact you, they don't want to see Dr. Dr. Dan. They want to see you because you're the person that they've come to know, come to feel comfortable with and trust as the expert. And so incredible question. He says, should I have my associates create videos on my channel to get their faces out there? Or should I do something else to grow my audi audiology clinic without me having to see all of the patients myself? So this is an amazing question. Because you're absolutely right, you know, it's, it's something where when you put content out there, you know, and, and for Joey, if Joey is the expert, like say Joey was going into people's homes to do, you know, water installs and stuff like that. If you send like your associate, you know, they're probably going to be a little bit bummed out because they're like, yo, I saw, the, I saw Joey, I want to I hang out and, and talk to Joey and he's the expert that I've come to know, love and trust. The one thing that you are going to have to understand is that when you do YouTube videos, when you get a customer from that, when you're putting information out there, people gain to go, they trust you, right? They trust you. They look to you for that information. And so if you're building your business and then you try to scale that business and they want to see you, if it's a service business, you are limited to the amount of time, the amount of people, the amount of patients, the amount of services that you specifically can do. So personally, what I would probably recommend to test this out is start bringing your associates that work with you into your videos. Get people familiar with them. Get people familiar or comfortable or trusting them. And then these individuals or these associates can do their own videos possibly, or just the simple fact of them being with you and you sort of like validating and vouching for them, that's going to make your ability or, or your job sort of offloading some of these customers to them much easier because, oh, okay, you're not seeing me, but you're seeing so-and-so, which they've already met, they already feel comfortable with. And so that is how I would handle this situation. Coming from a college student that's about to officially enter the real world in less than two years, I was curious if you had any financial tips that you might have learned after you started making money. Like most business professionals, everyone has their own tips of where to save, manage their money, high-end, high-yield savings, CDs, stocks, bonds. I was wondering if you could possibly, if we could possibly hear yours. Um, I hope you're doing well, blah, blah, blah. So here's a deal. You want to talk about my investment strategy and tips? Oh, this is something, once again, money and money management and investing is an educational process. And when you grow up, poor or you are not around people that understand money because it is an education, right? You need to learn about it. You need to understand how interest works, how debt works, how you can leverage certain things and all that good stuff. It is an education. But when you are around people or not, I should say more specifically not around people when you're growing up, like I grew up, like I said in last vlog, super blue collar. I didn't have anybody really to ask about saving or investing. Everybody that I knew, everybody's parents that I knew was literally working paycheck to paycheck. 
And then, you know, growing up, I was broke up until literally I started, you know, I was, I was broke until, let me think, how long was I like literally like super broke? It's been about eight years since I've had any money in the bank, right? And so for me, the education process never started back then. It started kind of now. And I am still, to this day, learning about it. And one of the downsides to that and not having any type of financial literacy and seeking it yourself is that you miss out on a lot of opportunities. You know, they always say that the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be, right? The compounding of interest and over time and, 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 and dollar cost averaging and all that stuff. The stock market and investing and, and CDs and all that stuff, it scares the crap out of me. What doesn't scare me for whatever reason is real estate. I like real estate. I feel comfortable with real estate. But that being said, I would not recommend you start investing in real estate if you're not somebody who understands it or ha like that's real estate is real estate is tricky, right? A lot of people online are talking about leveraging their assets in order to buy real estate and rental units and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's a whole nother level of investing, right? And you can potentially risk a lot more. One of the things that caused a lot of people to have really bad situations going on back when the financial industry sort of, you know, crashed back in 2006, seven, eight. And for the record, if you haven't watched the movie Big Short, I just watched it for like the fourth time the other night. That is an incredible movie. Highly recommended with Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. It's an incredible movie that talks about the financial crisis. But one of the reasons why everybody was in such bad shape is that they were over leveraged. They borrowed more than their house was ultimately worth and, and banks got greedy. Everybody got greedy essentially. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know. I don't really have any tips or advice other than don't be me, <laughs> honestly, because it's one of those situations where whenever I talk to like financial planners or advisors, I joke with them that if there was a tin can fund, as in like you take your money and you bury it in the backyard and just don't touch it, like that's the option I would choose because I don't know that emotionally I could handle losing 30, 40, 50% of my, my, my wealth because the market or the economy or something just like tanks. Accountant, get yourself a good accountant. I guess that is my number one piece of advice. A good accountant is going to be able to help direct you on the journey of financial literacy and how to possibly invest. I'm absolutely the worst person in the world to ask this question because I'm so bad. Like I, even though like logically I understand like, oh, dollar cost average, I like, I get it. I understand. And even though I understand that I shouldn't put $2 million in a business when I can have that money and invest in other places and make a bigger return, I get it. But for me being as, as, Growing up so poor and then filing bankruptcy and just like it all, debt scares me. Risking money scares me. Even though it may look like it's super risky that I invested, you know, a bunch of money in this business, to me, that was more comfortable than tossing $2 million in the stock market that I have zero control over. It, it, it makes more real estate and business. It makes more sense to me. And so for me, I'm comfortable. Now, does this mean that I don't have, you know, stocks and investments and things of that nature? The answer is no. I've got a few different financial advisors that I work with and 
everyone is a little bit different. You know, I've got my account at Vanguard. I've got my account at, at you know, another wealth management company down like that I lease a building to. I've got another guy that I know from Starbucks. And then I've also got the things that I do and I've set up from my company, right? My company has set up some things for me in order to put more away than the standard, you know, Roth IRA or the, 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 the standard amount that you're able to. And the way that you do that is you get an accountant and you have them set up what is called a defined benefits plan, which is going to allow you to not only put away money, it's almost like your company, your personal company is setting up a retirement plan for you, the employee slash owner of the company. And so it's, it's enabling you to put away, like depending on you and your business, but I mean like upwards of like a hundred and like a hundred to $150,000 a year, as opposed to like, you know, 20 or 30. Debt, stay away from debt. That is gonna be my big, my big lesson that I learned. When I was a college kid, I was such an idiot. I got a, uh, a credit card, I think it was a Discover card. You know, it was, it was, there was a table, you know, like my freshman year where they're like, oh, hey, come over. Oh, you want a credit card? I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. I was an idiot. We'll give you $300. <laughs> I didn't learn that credit cards, you shouldn't spend and buy pizza and beer on credit cards and you got to pay them back. That's the other thing I didn't understand. Literally, I was such a financial dummy and I'm still just learning. And so I think that's where I'm going to wrap things up. Don't get in debt, get a good accountant and that, 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 that's all I got. I'm sorry, Johnny, I, you, you, that's outside of my, my ability and, and my expertise. <laughs> like I said, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to learn, but um, I think everybody should definitely take active, an active role in educating themselves about, about money. Because as I said, if you are not around it, if you're not around people that can help you, it's really hard. And um, the other thing, one more, one, one more little thing. If there's a company, like if you want to buy stock, like if there's a company that you use that you love, you know, and you see that it might be, you think it might be a good value. Like I bought a bunch of Shopify stock back, like back in the day, because I love the platform. I believe in it. I know that it's a good product. Lululemon, another one. I saw my wife. I'm like, wait a second. You're going to spend how much on tights? And I saw how busy it was. I'm like, wait a second. And then when things happened a few like months ago, it went down. And so I was like, oh, let me buy some Lululemon. Um, I, I own uh, like some stocks that I actually have, have went to my financial advisor and said, hey, buy these, buy these, buy these. And honestly, those are the stocks, the ones that I have actually invested in that I believe in the company and I just know they're great companies. I, I shouldn't say I, I don't know, but I believe in them and I use them. I feel comfortable investing in, in companies like that. And so I got a little bit of dabbling in that action, but you just gotta be smart, educate yourself, and don't invest more than you are comfortable or able to lose, because that's the other thing. It is risky. Uh, certain things are less risky, and you really gotta determine what your appetite is and what your risk tolerance is. But if you're like a teacher, you need to be more aggressive. You need to try and grow that money so that you can retire someday. If you're an entrepreneur, for me, I'm willing to invest in me because I believe in me. I believe in me. Gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you dug it, make sure to drop us a review, also a rating, as this helps the podcast reach more incredible gentlemen just like yourself. And don't forget to subscribe because it's free and you don't want to miss another incredible episode. Guys, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you're amazing. And don't forget how awesome you are.